the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Faithfulness, madam, your enduring faithfulness. So goes the line from the Princess Bride. Today, we continue with our look at a church that was faithful, the Church at Philadelphia. That's next on Abounding Grace with Gary Wagner. There is something about being faithful, isn't there? That is the kind of person you want in your corner when things get tight or tough. Somebody who's going to be faithful. Somebody who's going to back you faithfully, without wavering and without question marks. We invite you to join us here today on Abounding Grace as we take a look at church that was called faithful by Jesus. Man, what an amazing moment. I hope and pray that you are a part of a church that Jesus would consider faithful. It really is a moniker that we strive for, isn't it? Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace in Revelation chapter 3. The synagogue of Satan has been brought up a couple of times in these letters. Notice what he says. This is about as post-millennial as you can get. He says, Behold I that is the living Christ, will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie, these apostate Jews, of course, and I will make them come and bow down at your feet, church of Philadelphia, and make them know I love you. Here is an open door to the synagogue of Satan. The question is, Could these hardened, self-righteous pseudo-Jews be reached and be reclaimed with the gospel? And the answer, of course, is yes, absolutely. Christ says, I'm going to give you an opportunity to bring these hardened pseudo-Jews back into the fold through faith in me. Now, remember who Christ is. Christ is the one who has the key to David's house. He is the one who opens and closes the door to David's house. Isaiah 22, 2. If he wants to open the door to David's house and cause everyone to come into David's house to become Christians, he can do it. So don't forget who Christ is. He is the king who holds the key to men's hearts. They don't hold it themselves. The souls of men are in the hands of Christ and he can open the hardest of hearts. And Christ is able to open the door whenever he wants to whomever he wants. So he says, don't doubt me on this. Here in this city that thinks it's an open door, I'm making you an open door to the hardest rebels against me in this city who are actual members of the synagogue of Satan through my sovereign, almighty, irresistible grace. I will make them come 
and I'll make them kneel at your feet, show you respect and love, and to know that I love you, making them to want to be a part of all of that. Christ opens, and no one shuts and shuts, and no one opens. What a great message that Christ holds the key to men's hearts. There's a painting, I'm sure many of you have seen this. I cannot stand this painting. It is a painting of the United Nations building. And standing outside that building in New York is this gigantic Jesus. And it's cold outside. And he's knocking on the door, begging to be let in. Well, I'll tell you. If Jesus wanted to take over the United Nations, he would just smash the doors in because he governs the hearts of all men. He doesn't beg. Christ doesn't stand outside our door and knock and plead with us to be Christians. Now in the second, the next church of Laodicea, we're going to see something that is used over and over again to try and prove Christ does do just exactly that. Knock at our door. Look down at verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and have dinner with him and he with me. And fundamentalists say, well, there's the verse that says he is knocking on the door, pleading to come in. But when we get to it, you'll see that it's not talking to the world. He is not talking to unbelievers. He is talking to the church, his elect that are in his hand. So the Lord Jesus is no beggar. It is not as if men hold the keys to the door and they can keep Christ out as long as they want, even though he wants them in. The keys belong to Christ to open men's hearts, and he will open whatever heart he wants, however hard that heart is, however much resistance that person puts up. He can open whatever heart he wants. And that should be such an encouragement to us as we go out and witness We deal with a lot of hardened people, a lot of people who intellectually, emotionally, and in every other way are totally defiant against Christ. They think that what we have to say is something that only disrupts life and ruins life. We don't need to be afraid of those kind of people because the key to their heart belongs to the one who is our Lord and Savior. And when we present the gospel to these people, Christ can easily open their hearts if he wants to. And that's what we must pray as we actually witness to these people. Lord, we know you own the key to people's hearts. And so we pray, if it is your pleasure in your sovereignty that you would open the hearts of these people, that they, would, they might do and believe what now they resist with all their heart and soul. That is tremendous motivation for evangelism. Christ owns the key to people's hearts. Why did you become a Christian? You didn't become a Christian because you just up and decided to do so. 
You didn't become a Christian because you freely exerted your own free will. You became a Christian because there was a time in which the door you were holding shut with all of your might was unlocked by the Lord Jesus Christ and he came in and he caused you to believe. It's a wonderful picture of the sovereign Christ to this little church in the middle of this famous city. But it is not the city that he has the open door for. The open door is for the church. And the key to that door is in the hand of Christ. So this letter speaks of the advance of the church and the kingdom of Christ throughout this world. The Bible tells us in Acts 2 that God builds his church and he daily adds to it such as those who are being saved. That is our motive and is our confidence to be faithful to the gospel. Now, there are potential barriers that we have to overcome. I'm not saying that any of this is going to be easy. Simple, yes, but not easy. There are barriers the world is going to throw up against us to try and keep us from us from going in that door. Or from keep trying to keep other people from believing in Christ as we witness, such as the trials from an evil culture and a tyrannical state. They will put up all of the stumbling blocks they can in our path. Like the church in Philadelphia, we only have a little strength. We're not the strongest church in the whole wide world by far, right, beloved? But we have a little strength. And that can be a problem only if we are not trusting in the strength of the Lord. But even if we have just a little strength and we are small, that is no excuse for halting our invasion of this culture. We can't say, well, we're small and we're financially strapped. So we should probably pull back from our invasion of the culture. Oh, please don't ever say that. What does Christ say to Philadelphia? He says, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut, even though you have a little power. Just a little power, but that is no reason whatsoever to pull back from the invasion of our culture. The world is so ignorant. It is still hostile. And RHC is still small. But don't be fooled by the big edifices and inflated church roles of modern churches. Because most of them are of no threat to this culture at all. And beware of the hindrances of our own laziness and desire to sleep. Beware of apathy on your own part. Beware of not finding your place in the advance of this kingdom. Find it and go to work. Beware of not even looking for an open door to go through. I assure you, Christ is going to reach his goals for this culture. And if we fail to enter the open door he has before us, he will use someone else and someone else will take the crown. I believe Reformed Heritage Church has an open door of opportunity to Campbell, to San Jose, 
to Santa Clara County, to California, to the country, and to the world. And I do not think that that is hyperbole. We're small, but Christ is still the same all-powerful God. When he opens a door, no man can shut it. And when he shuts a door, no man can open it. Now, I'm convinced that we're going to see Christ do more great things through us because he has opened a great door for us to enter. Why do I have this hope? For several reasons. People are hearing the true gospel who have never heard the gospel before on our radio program, Abounding Grace. And many are receiving it. Others are streaming our sermons off our website, and many are purchasing CDs because God has opened a door for us, and He is allowing the true gospel to reach people who have never heard the true gospel before. And many call and write me saying, Oh, this is all new to me. I've never heard this before. Thank you for your messages. And hundreds of thousands of people across the globe are hearing the unfettered gospel of the Reformed faith through sermonaudio.com. There are hundreds of outstanding preachers there and their messages. So when I say that people are hearing the true gospel who have never heard it before, and many are receiving it, I'm not exaggerating. But some at the same time do become hardened by the true gospel and have become open in their assault against it. They're diluters of the gospel who are feeling threatened in our presence and making mistakes, though, which will lead to their eventual downfall. But Christians, through our testimony, are starting to think more clearly and realizing the implications of the lordship of Christ. More and more Christians are praying for another reformation it's almost as if things are being brought together in such a way that the stage is being set for something big to take place. And I believe we stand on the threshold of a door open for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And new avenues of service are opening up for us. And humanism is coming to a dead end. Now, what was the command of Christ to the Philadelphia church? He says, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no man can shut because you have little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the house of the synagogue of Satan to come and bow down before you because you have kept the word of my perseverance. I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come on the whole world to test those who dwell on earth. And of course he goes on, but what is the obvious command he gives to this church at Philadelphia? It's go through the door. I have set a door before you. No one is going to close it as long as I want it open. Go through the door. And that's what he says to us. Don't worry about our smallness. Don't worry about financial shortfall. Don't worry about any other limitations. Go through the door. Be faithful unto death. To whom much is given, my friends, much is required. So keep the word of God. 
Keep your faith in it. Keep applying it. Keep bearing witness to it. Keep overcoming. Keep fighting the daily battle. Confess his name everywhere. Hold fast to what you have. If it is a little strength, hold fast to it. Hold fast to his word, his name, his promise. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then he makes these promises. Verse 11. I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have. Remember, coming quickly has no reference to the second coming. To all these seven churches, he says he is coming and it is always conditional. To those who are unfaithful, he is saying, I'm coming to judge you. But the second coming is not conditional. He says, I'm going to come in judgment unless you repent. But the second coming has no conditions. He's talking about the providential interventions of Christ into history to destroy his enemies and to protect and equip his church. I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. He says, I will call someone to come through that door. And whoever goes through that door will get the crown. It is he who overcomes. He who does what I tell him. He who conquers the weaknesses and the faults in his own life. He who seeks to be faithful to me, whatever I call him to do. That person, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write his, him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my name. So here is the promise. He promises to his faithful people, even though they're small in number, who go through the door, victory and success. If you are faithful, don't worry about any weaknesses or problems of your enemies. You will get victory over your opponents if you are faithful. I will protect you. I will keep you safe through the calamities and the trials that are about to come upon this earth. And what was that trial? Verse 10. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. So he is most likely talking about the great trial of the fall of Jerusalem and the great tribulation connected to the fall in 70 AD. And then he says, I will make you pillars in my temple. Now do you see why I told you about the pillars in the city of Philadelphia? If you did something good for the city, they would make a pillar with your name on it. Jesus is saying, ah, forget those pillars. Today they are in the rubble of that city. Jesus says, I will make you a pillar in my temple. I'm going to put you in my temple, in my church. And if you continue to maintain your faithfulness and the program of conquest that I have set out for you, Christ says, I will make you pillars of the earth. Fitted to support and adorn the cause of righteousness in the world. Men and women, young people, I will make you a people who must be reckoned with by the forces of sin. 
I will make you people who cannot be easily finished off or easily disregarded. And I will give you a new name. Christ writes the name of God on our hearts. He gives us the only true conception of him that man has ever had. And as we are faithful to the knowledge that God has given us of ourselves, that knowledge grows. When the Christian church, in witnessing, sees people brought to Christ, it realizes what that name can do. And the knowledge of his greatness is expanded in our hearts as well as in the world. And he says about this new Jerusalem, I will write on you the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. So you see, he's not talking about heaven as much. The new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, yes. He's talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrew 11 11 talks about the church being the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. And John in Revelation 21 talks about this new city that comes down from heaven to earth, just like our text here in the 12th verse. It's not a literal thing. In the New Testament, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is in various places called the new Jerusalem. I'm going to give you a role, he says, in bringing the new Jerusalem out of heaven from my God to this earth. Christ is not talking about going to heaven here. Earth is the place where we have to do our overcoming, beloved. God's kingdom is being right here and now established on earth through the church. The question is not, When shall Christians die and go up to the new Jerusalem? But when shall the new Jerusalem descend into the hearts of the people on earth so that they may really live and become Christians, even the hardened Jews from the synagogue of Satan? It is as if Christ is saying to these people, to him who overcomes day by day, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, the church And he will be found by no means ever outside that temple again. And I will write upon him the name, the true conception of our God, the one true living God, as well as the name of the new city, understanding that this new city comes from God to earth. It comes down from heaven when people come into the church. And whenever the church of the Lord Jesus Christ stands firm and goes through the door, So what do we have to say in conclusion? The Philadelphia church's greatest feature was its faithful missionary spirit. It was concerned with going through doors that led to the salvation of the most hardened of sinners. The Christians in that city allowed nothing to crush or diminish their evangelistic outlook, their concern, their zeal. Under the influence of the inner spirit, they counted no cost too high. They made no excuses. They faced seemingly infinite odds. They never wavered. They never failed. They did succeed and they went through that door. In the light of such a church, can we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us? However small or weak or handicapped, 
If only we have the faithfulness and the holy zeal of the Christians at Philadelphia. And remember Christ's word to a small, feeble church that he uses to conquer the world. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom if you do not faint. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, dear Lord, for what you said to the church of Philadelphia. We pray you would speak those same things to our hearts and that we would be faithful to them and that we would confess your name to all men for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.